and codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 340 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Tuesday, October 24th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Friday, October 27th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And sadly, our audio engineer is out sick this week. So we wish him well. All right, Kenna, let's jump on in and tell us what we've got this week. Well, this week we're trekking out the start of the end for Star Trek Continues, some upcoming Star Trek comic releases, and Discovery has been officially renewed for a second season. In Star Trek Online news, Season 14 Emergence has been announced for consoles, and we're bringing you up to speed on all the weekend's events. In this week's on-screen, we're tackling Star Trek Discovery's sixth episode, Lethe, including Vulcan extremists, Sarek's relationship with Burnham, and Captain Lorca's intimate relationship with Admiral Cornwell. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open Halig frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, you know we love to hear from you between episodes, so please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. And if you're old school, you can even send an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, we have to take a moment and thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. It's your involvement from week to week that inspires us to continue to produce this content for you. Captains, we are also extremely grateful for the financial contributions that our patrons provide us from month to month on patreon.com forward slash priority one. We hope that the content that we provide on Patreon is something that you would consider supporting and taking advantage of. For instance, at $10 a month, or about $2.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee, you can have access to our weekly reviews of Star Trek Discovery with our Patreon-exclusive episodes of On Screen. Each week, we have different guests, including Al Captain Gecko Rivera and Dr. Robert Hurt of NASA's JPL. Now, Captains, even if you can't provide a financial contribution, there's another way that you can help support the show. And that's by sharing it with all of your friends and leaving comments on places like iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Sharing this show with your friends and letting them know that they can get a weekly roundup of Star Trek news from Priority One Podcast is a great way to support the show. And another great way that you can support the show is by working with us here on Priority One. Now might be your chance because we've got openings on our team for audio editors. So if you have experience or if you want to learn, we'd love to have you on board and we'll even train you. If you're interested, we've got a handy form on our website or just email us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. 
fan film aficionados and admirers of the popular fan production Star Trek Continues will be pleased to hear that episode 10, To Boldly Go Part 1, has finally dropped and is available for viewing on their website and on YouTube. Shot in two parts, part two will be released at the Stanley LA Comic Con on October 29th and viewable on the internet on November 11th. Described by producer and leading man Vic Mignogna as his love letter to Star Trek, this will be the last episode of the series and will reportedly bridge the gap between the end of Star Trek the original series and Star Trek the motion picture. From Star Trek continues, quote, In order to solve the ultimate mystery, the Enterprise must return to where Kirk's five-year mission began, end quote. I have to travel on a couple of planes uh, in the middle of November, so my plan is to download all of them and binge watch the whole series from beginning to end once they've got the the last episode out. I think I watched episode four a while back, and I didn't understand what was going on, so I I also am going to do the same (laughs) as you and go back to the beginning and watch the whole thing. It's been so well received by by the people who have been watching it. You know, we've talked to those guys at STLV a couple of times, and they clearly love the material. And if you're a comic junkie, then IDW has your Star Trek fix this month with three stellar titles that will blow your mind. Star Trek Boldly Go number 13, written by Mike Johnson, penciled by Josh Hood, follows the crew of the USS Endeavor, the temporary home of the crew of the Enterprise, after the events of Star Trek Beyond in the Kelvin timeline. Number 13 sees the start of a new six-issue arc titled IDIC, which sees the convergence of multiple Trek realities. This is a good jumping-on point. Star Trek The Next Generation, Mirror Broken, written by Scott and David Tipton and painted by J.K. Woodward, follows the TNG crew of the Enterprise in the Mirror Universe. When you see how the Captain Picard of this universe manages to take command, it will leave you stunned. That's a phaser joke. Finally, Star Trek New Visions by legendary comic creator John Byrne is a photo novel format comic that sees new adventures of the original TOS crew. Using stock photographs, Byrne repurposes images and even uses computer software to design his own characters and settings to create completely new stories. It's a must for any true Star Trek fan to read. And Captains, you can be sure that our literary reviewer, Jace, will be offering his opinions in an upcoming segment. Stay tuned for that. Captains, I am so excited Uh for the news that I received today. Uh And that is that the Star Trek Starfleet Academy experience is coming back to the New York area to the Liberty Science Center at Liberty State Park in Jersey City, New Jersey. (laughs) So excited. Captains, from their Facebook event page on Friday, November 3rd, from 6 to 10 p.m., you can participate in a night of Star Trek activities and adventures with special guests like Jordan Hoffman, film critic and host of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Now, this Starfleet Academy experience is very similar, if not identical, to what we saw on the USS Intrepid this time last year. There will be interactive exhibits, including one that will teach you Klingon. Also, at this particular event, there will be vendors selling Star Trek-inspired jewelry, art, and gifts. You can also get a Star Trek makeover, courtesy of the School of Makeup Effects. During the event, they will be screening classic episodes all throughout the night at their JDW Theater. Now, this event is $15, which includes the party activities and the Star Trek exhibition. But, Captains, if you can't make it to the November 3rd event, that Friday night, 
Don't worry, because the exhibit opens on the 28th of October and will run all the way through May 2018. Golly, that's a long time. So don't stress if you can't make it. However, I will be on site at the November 3rd event to fan out and geek out with all you fellow Trekkies out there. So be sure to spot me and let us know if you'll be in attendance. So this is the um, the Starfleet Academy experience that you did uh, last year that was kind of like n down the road from the New York Comic Con, wasn't it? Or was it Mission that New York? Or it was somewhere in New York City. Both, yes. It yeah. was. It, it overlapped a little bit with uh, Mission New York and uh, New York Comic Con. Mm -hmm. You have screen used props like tricorders, mm -hmm. screen used costumes that are in, in this transporter-like plated glass. There's also interactive exhibits, including at the very end, a Kobayashi Maru exercise on the bridge of the Galaxy Class Enterprise. It's, it's, it's very immersive, and I thoroughly enjoyed it when I did it aboard the Intrepid. If you get the opportunity, please, please attend. It's so much fun. And I'm so excited because I haven't been to Liberty Science Center since I was a kid. <laughs> and so nice. my inner child right now is freaking out yeah. because I'm so excited to go back to Liberty Science Center. Well, and if anybody wants to have a preview of the kind of things that they can expect, now you, you actually broadcast live from there. You had a tour with uh, one of the one of the people who was working through the exhibit. You actually toured through the exhibit, and those are on our Facebook page. So you can go back and look at our old videos, um, and you can get a get a taste for what it was like. Absolutely, and captains, I encourage you to attend if you get the opportunity. Let us know. Be sure to tweet at me or at Priority One Pod so that we can meet up and we can celebrate Star Trek together on November third. And finally this week, the biggest news has got to be the announcement from CBS All Access that Star Trek Discovery was greenlit to be renewed for a second season. This comes on the heels of the revelation that the launch of Discovery broke a record for subscriber signups in a single day, week, and month of the service. Mark DeBevoise, president and chief operating officer of CBS Interactive, said, quote, in just six episodes, Star Trek Discovery has driven subscriber growth, critical acclaim, and huge global fan interest for the first premium version of this great franchise. This series has a remarkable creative team and cast who have demonstrated their ability to carry on the Star Trek legacy. We are extremely proud of what they've accomplished and are thrilled to be bringing fans a second season of this tremendous series. End quote. There's no word yet on when the show will drop. I am pleasantly surprised um, and look forward to it. I have been enjoying this series so far. Um, is it the Trek that we are all used to? Maybe not, but uh, I think it's some pretty good storytelling. And I like that it's happening in space and it happens to be about Star Trek. Can we talk about it being characterized as a premium, the first premium version of this great franchise? I thought that was a really weird way. I mean... Premium, if you if you consider premium to be pay gated. I mean, the whole point of this was they wanted this to launch their their franchise service. You know, their 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 Netflix alternative. So, if they're happy with it so far, that's great. Um, come December, when I cancel my subscription, hopefully they're still singing that tune, and then I'll re up it again in January. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, or February, whenever it comes back. So, I mean, it, it's. Well, I mean, I'm glad they're going to do it, but and it may be they just took this long for everybody to kind of pony up to invest in the second season. Mm -hmm. um, that could have been something going on behind the scenes. So now that all the contracts are in, hey, let's go. See you all in 2019. Now, Captains, we have spoken about a theory. Actually, Kenna has. And I think that it's fair to say that that theory 
taken the internet by storm. Uh, yes, it has taken the internet by storm, and I want to say that it was here. It was oh, yeah. you heard it here first. I'm sure you did through Kenna's voice and her words. Absolutely. And that theory is that Shazad Latif <laughs> is not only playing Lieutenant Ash Tyler, but is also the man behind the mask who plays the Klingon from House of None, Vach. That's right, Elijah. Yahoo Entertainment spoke with Latif earlier today and asked him all about the off-camera speculation. He said, quote, I rarely read a lot of stuff online, but the publicists have been letting me know, he explained. It's fun that there's a lot of interest. That's always a good thing. A lot of the theories are crazy. Some people have some stuff right, and some are way off. But it's just good to see people interested, end quote. How do you feel, Kenna? How do you feel to be the person that started the rumor? I didn't start the rumor. I think it was out there. Um, and I did not develop it alone. I developed it in talking to other people. So I, I brought it to this show. Um, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's actually starting to feel like a little bit of a letdown because every episode is like, like oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, we get it now. Yeah. And it's it's like every every episode kind of confirms it a little bit more. Um, we... we I don't think we'll talk about it this week's on screen because there's more other things going on. But I think if we'd had this big thing that was like, ah, oh, conspiracy theory, and then the next week it was either proven or disproven, it would be super exciting. And yeah, um, it, if the theory turns out to be true, we're not going to find out until like next March. And by then, because the show's already been written, it, it, I'm slightly worried that it's going to be like the next... 10 episodes of the of the writers going, whoa, it's so clever. No one's ever going to figure it out. And meanwhile, we're all going, yeah, we know. We get it. We know. So I'm a little, I'm feeling a little bit deflated, if I'm honest. But eh, still, it's still, it's kind of cool. Now, let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online and gaming news. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome to Stow News, where we're bringing you up to speed on all the latest happenings in Star Trek Online. The big news this week is that Season 14, Emergence, has been announced for the Xbox One and PlayStation 4, featuring LeVar Burton in the new episode, Melting Pot, and a whole host of new content. It's not to be missed. Console players will gain access to the new Draenor Colony Fleet Holding, the new Miracle Worker, Primary Specialization, and more. When the new season launches, all players will also be able to claim the new scants and kilts from the C-Store, free for a limited time. Season 14, Emergence, launches on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 on Tuesday, November 14th. And if you really can't get enough of Star Trek Online on the console, then you may want to consider purchasing the Lifetime subscription, which is now on sale, 33% off, for a limited time. In addition to getting all the gold level membership rewards forever, you also get a number of veterans perks straight off the bat, like bonus inventory slots, free ships, exclusive playable species, permanent skill point boosts, and more. The lifetime subscription sale is now live on consoles and runs through the 23rd of November. Moving on to PC now, and while we don't usually cover patch notes, this week's PC patch notes were extensive, and there are a few items in there that you might want to know about. First up, the range of registry numbers for Federation ships has gone up to six digits, and in related space Barbie news, the color options for scans have also been increased. 
Now, not an actual change, just a text change, but it's now clearer that power boards can be used on Draenor Colony, which is awesome. Moving on to systems, a couple of changes. The Crystalline Entity Q now features new progress bars, including a charge indicator during the absorption phase. And the pull strength of gravity wells has been increased at all ranks. Finally, a little bonus for any of you Romulan captains out there who happen to buy one of the Miracle Worker Warbirds. It looks like they accidentally shipped with plus 50 subsystems power instead of plus 40, like with all the other Singularity drive ships. That's been fixed for anyone purchasing a new one, but if you're already using the one with plus 50 power, enjoy it while it lasts, because they'll be updating it back down to plus 40 soon. For all the rest of the extensive patch notes, we'll have a link, of course, in our show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO340. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some of the events on the calendar this weekend. Starting with PC, if you had your eye on picking up some Master Keys, well, they're on sale this weekend for 15% off. That includes the Keyring Bundle, which is back for a limited time. After this weekend, it goes back up in price but will still be available through 10 a.m. Pacific on November 9th. In the Keyring Bundle, you can get 20 Master Keys at a discounted price, and you get a free Ultimate Tech Upgrade thrown in as well. Once again, keys are on sale this weekend for 15% off, and the Keyring Bundle will be available first at 15% off with the other keys, and then back to full price until November 9th. And also on PC this weekend, you can get 20% off all services. That's things like character slots, outfit slots, the energy credit cap increase, and more. That's available again now through Monday morning. Moving on to Xbox One and PlayStation 4 now, we mentioned before that there's a lifetime subscription sale currently on through the 23rd of November. And for this weekend only, it's Double XP, now through Monday, October 30th. For more details about any of these events, please be sure to have a look at the in-game calendar. Now it's time to look on screen for our review of this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery, titled Leafy. On screen. Well, Captains, it's time to review this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. Lethe is the sixth episode of Star Trek Discovery. On Vulcan, Sarek departs to meet with two Klingon houses who claim to have broken with Kull and are seeking allegiance with the Federation. His voyage doesn't start off well, when his companion turns out to be a Vulcan logic extremist who blows himself up to disrupt Sarek's mission. Sarek survives, but barely. Meanwhile, on the Disco, because that's what it's called now, Michael Burnham is making friends, right up until she collapses in the mess hall, her Catrick link to Sarek transmitting his pain to her. Burnham will have to use her link to find him. Inside Sarek's mind, Burnham finds him unexpectedly hostile. He's replaying the moment she was rejected from the Vulcan Expeditionary Group. And when he discovers her watching, they fight. Out in the real world, Burnham suffers physically from the fight, but she goes back in since it's the only way to find him. Some coaching from Lieutenant Tyler, who's now Lorca's head of security, leads her to change tactics and find out what he's hiding. It turns out, it's shame, from having sabotaged her place in the expeditionary group so that Spock would have a chance. After the revelation, he collapses, but shows Burnham how to mind meld to locate him. They pick him up in a shuttle and retreat. He's alive, but he won't be meeting with any Klingons anytime soon. In his place, Admiral Cornwell, who's been visiting the Discovery on a mission of sexy time, I mean, super important Starfleet stuff, 
Well, she goes to the meeting in Sarek's place. It's an ambush, of course, by call, and the final moments of the episode see Lorca dragging his feet on rescuing her. She'd threatened to take away his ship, and perhaps this is an opportunity to make that particular problem go away. And uh, just before we start uh, getting into our discussion, I do just want to say that uh, anybody who's listening with young children might want to turn off for a little bit, because we may be talking about adult themes uh, in, in the following discussion. Kenna wants to talk about sex <laughs> All right, so before we jump into the nitty-gritty of the episode, I kind of want to talk about some themes here and what you guys might have identified. I mean, probably the blaring theme here is the commentary on isolationism from the logical extremists, which sounds a little oxymoronic to me, does it not? How can you be an extremist and logical at the same time? Of all, like, yeah, of all the things that I have a problem with this episode, that's the one I have the least problem with. It, they could be considered an outgrowth of the people who were not pleased about the return of the Kir Shara from the season four of the Enterprise, the sort of the remnants of the Vulcan High Command who, you know, didn't like the whole pacifist sort of spin on uh, logic that uh, the Surak's teachings kind of brought back into style. So it's it's not great, but I mean, I think you can root it in something that we've seen out of Vulcans before. Well, we've seen them um, in Next Generation. So the Vulcan extremists were featured in Gambit Part 1 and Part 2. And uh, Naren Shankar, who is one of the writers or producers, I can't remember, he actually said in the Star Trek Next Generation Companion, we went for people who very logically felt that Vulcan's problems were linked to contamination by illogical people. So in a logical sense, you say, get rid of them. I just thought it was a very logical way to arrive at racism being the answer to your problems. It was a different but very believable tone for the Vulcans, uh, end quote. So we have seen them before. Um, it is uh, in keeping with with what we know of Vulcan culture and certainly keeping in the theme that we had in the first episode of the Vulcan hello. They are not a nonviolent race. They don't tend right. to come across as violent, but Vulcans are not a nonviolent race. See, I was, I was trying to find my, my novel. I mentioned this on our uh, live stream that we did on Sunday night, but there's a novel by Diane Duane called Spock's World that um, really dives in deep into not only the history of Vulcan, but their sort of violent past that they've, tr that they've had to overcome. And the, the, the plot of the novel is that Vulcan actually is trying to secede from the Federation. And, they're doing, and most of them are going about in a very logical way, but there are some people who are a little more violent about it. So I think there's a lot of history in Star Trek of the Vulcans, of some few small number of these Vulcans behaving that way. So it's there. I think it's, it's, it's interesting. Yes. Now, in analyzing the title itself, because I, I don't think that they choose these titles all willy-nilly, mm -hmm. Lethe is the Greek spirit of forgetfulness and literally means oblivion or forgetfulness or concealment. And this is essentially the overarching storyline here. Mm -hmm. We have Sarek hiding the truth from Burnham and making her lead a life where she believes she's nothing but a disappointment to him when, in fact, he failed her. I thought this was kind of interesting, actually. It was kind of using the whole retcon of Burnham and, and all of that to actually fill in some details that people have, you know, questioned for decades, which is, you know, why is Sarek so hostile towards Spock? Um, 
And this kind of retcons that to say part of that was his intense feeling of shame and guilt having sacrificed Burnham's place for Spock, only for Spock to turn around and reject it. So he's got this burden of guilt that he knows that Burnham could have been uh, part of the expeditionary group if, if not for the decision that he made. Yeah, that's as much as I did not like any of the Katra stuff and the, you know, Matrix uh, fight inside people's brains, that, I thought, was a really nice touchstone. And it did it did make Sarek seem a, both a little more of a, of a uh, kind of a jerk and a little less of a jerk. Uh, because he had to make sort of an impossible decision, and he made it, and it turned out he was wrong, uh, and and that that probably right. that probably stuck with him uh, a long, long time. Yeah, you know, I keep bringing up the Star Trek Discovery novel by David Mack called Desperate Hours, um, and again, what I like about it is that as I'm watching Discovery in between the week, I get a little more Discovery than if I were to wait Sunday to Sunday. And in the recent chapters that I've been reading, it really goes into detail. Once Burnham and Spock have to perform a mind meld, there's this hesitance. And then it just, it, 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 I'm almost glad that I, I watched this episode and then the chapter that I got to in, in the Desperate Hours ended up working out the way it did because I watched this episode, Leafy. And then in the novel, spoiler alert, of course, um, they have to perform a mind meld on each other for one reason or another, right? I won't tell you why, but Burnham is very hesitant. She doesn't want Spock to see the her experiences with Sarek. She's very protective of that. And same thing with Spock towards her. They are they are of the same family, raised by the same parents, and yet so distant from each other. And I love how David Mack ties things in and to the episode. Yeah, but then that wrecks, that kind of ruins the reunification part too. When Picard's all like, "You want to, you want to see what Sarek had to say?" Because he's, you know, he's in here now. At the very end, Spock's like, "My father and I never melded," and he's like, "Well, Picard's like, I'm, I got, I got this piece. You, you can, you can find him in here." Right, so how much more insulting is it to Spock that Sarek has mind-melded not only with with a human child that became his ward, but then also again with... Yeah, but that wasn't how that wasn't how Nimoy played it. So, I, I mean, back in 1990-whatever, and so Mac is coming along here going, oh, and he had an opportunity to touch Sarek's brain thing earlier, too. I, eh, and how many people fine. are dead now? Has he wiped out it's the whole fine. planet yet? Uh, the thing that I thought was interesting, and maybe I'm alone here, I I just assumed automatically that Burnham was the little sister. Um, but she wasn't. She was the big sister. She's older than Spock. Because she was the one who came up for candidacy to the Vulcan Expeditionary Group first. So she's older than Spock. Which makes sense, actually, because she is serving as a first officer aboard the Shenzo, contemporary to the time that Spock is something like a lieutenant over on the Enterprise under Captain Pike. So uh, this whole time I've been thinking Spock's the older child and she kind of came along after, but she was she's the older one of well, the two of them. I, but I mean, but do Vulcans like go to school at 5 and graduate at 22 like humans or do they go to school at 10 and graduate at 35 because they live longer or something? I mean, clearly she's more advanced. She's like farther along, but that could just be because humans mm. live a sh live shorter lives. I mean, I don't know. I don't know age-wise. 
We'd have to see a calendar. Yeah, I don't either. We'd have to see a calendar. Yeah. But but clearly, <laughs> exactly. clearly she's the senior in high school and he's just the freshman. I mean, clearly that's correct. Exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. That's correct. So one thing that I really wanted to talk about, this is going to be fun, um, was um, the intimate scene between Lorca and Admiral Cornwell. Now, Ooh. we won't, you know, now uh, HR, you know, just hang up your hat for a minute because that's not, not great. I thought it was a, I thought it was a great example of sex positivity in the 23rd century. Um, I, I don't, I, you know, they, they, they vaguely touched on this in The Next Generation um, with Riker and basically everybody. Uh, I thought it was a really nice exchange that they were just straight up, wasn't that fun? And he was like... I can think of better things to do with the next hour. And she was like, here, let me just take off my uniform. I just, I, I thought it was, honestly, I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was handled very well. Um, but I do have a couple questions. Like, number one, how do you not notice the phaser under the pillow? Um, but, you know, anyway, like, Tony, you're dying, dying over there. I'm, What's I'm going on? I'm absolutely dying. Number one, she's his superior officer. Number two, she, her mission is to rein him in. Her her whole point of diverting whatever starship she had to take to go meet him, and she's a high-ranking flag officer and exposing herself to capture, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, or, or death, to go discipline a captain who is clearly out of control. And on top of all that, she's a friggin' psychiatrist! And she has she. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a doctor-patient relationship yeah. there. So you got a superior officer coming out to discipline a junior officer, and they've got a doctor-patient relationship. I don't care if they were best pals in third grade and, and and dated in college. That should never have happened. And as soon as he reached out and touched her thigh, she should have been like, "Oh my god!" Smacked him across the face, relieved him of command, and went walked home. That should have been it. First of all, it's conjecture that she's. Uh -uh. A psychiatrist. I don't think that anywhere in the episode it was suggested that she was, in fact, his doctor. All that I picked up on from both episodes, because it happened last week when uh, before he was captured and again this week, was that he just recognizes her as a psychiatrist. I don't think there was ever a doctor-patient relationship. I think that they were okay. both friends and no, he grew did up say together some, in one way, He did say form. something about, like, are we in session right now or something like that. Right, yes, but that doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean that there was a doctor-patient relationship there. It. it could just be it could just be that okay. she's a doctor I'll and he's being that, coy. But still with psychiatry a psychiatry training, that is instant that should have been an instantaneous red flag. Instantaneous. Second of all, there is without a doubt instances in real life where a subordinate gets into a relationship with their superior and vice versa. And things happen, and things are fine and dandy. We spoke about this with James, who served in the military, and talked about how it actually happens more often than not. So the whole idea of it being unprofessional is, I think, short-sighted. We will agree to disagree. <laughs> because people can have relationships, whether or not they are on paper professional, doesn't necessarily mean that they don't happen and that sure. things can't work out. Then, to your point that she came to discipline him, um, all right, I see that, but they 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 disarm each other. That's the what I saw in this this exchange. 
is that they both disarmed each other in a way that only friends can do lovers can do in one way shape or form now jocelyn makes a good point in the in the chat she writes my only issue is that the scene felt a little too close to that kiss her to make her shut up trope <laughs> there there are some real problematic things actually from a from a feminist perspective about how this whole thing played out i mean on the one hand i think it's uh, overarchingly very sex positive especially since you know she was very forward about her desires um but the subsequent sending her off to meet with the Klingons and um, leaving her there, that falls dangerously close to the whole uh, the whole virgin getting killed off in a horror story trope where as soon as, you know, it's the, the popular cheerleader has sex with the uh, quarterback, she's the first one to get killed by the, the axe murderer. Uh, and and that's, a, that's problematic. I think in this case, that's not what they were intending, but it does tread a little tiny bit close to that. I, for one thought that they disarmed each other and they see weaknesses in, in one another and they support each other in one way shape or form <laughs> i think at the end of until the end i think at the very end well no hold on a second because he doesn't he doesn't send her off to it she mm -hmm. you know he suggests that she be the one to go because she's the next closest admiral we will come back to this to take to take his spot but i think that in that moment where where he reacts so negatively to her to, to her caress on his back and he is emotional at the idea of her taking the ship and she says to him you see, what scares me is that I don't know if this is you or if this is for real or not I honestly think in that moment he was being honest Ooh. I think that's the most honest we've ever seen Lorca please don't take my ship from me completely disagree but we'll come back to this because I think this is one of the things that we to talk about later and then again at the very end when she's off on the the shuttle pod now here's where i here's here's why and we talked about this a little bit on sunday here's where i would have been like oh lorca's a douche if the shuttle exploded from some unbelievable accident that I things happened where the bomb was. right i was half expecting that shuttle to explode the moment yeah. it cleared the, the 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 shuttle bay but it didn't it it went, he, and he stood there and watched her go, and I think he was genuinely concerned about her. Even though she was going to take his ship away, I think that he loves her. I think that there's a relationship there. And then at the end, he's staring out into the, into the, into his, went outside his window in his room, and he's, he's still got the phaser in his back pocket, but that doesn't, but he listens to her, right? He listens to her. He says, no, we're not going to go after her unless we're told no, to. No, you got that completely because I think wrong, I, Elijah. The reason uh, okay. that he's not going after her is because she's the only one who knows that he's not. He's the, she's the only one who knows that he lied. She's the only one who will take his ship away from him, and she will do that. She no, he's I dragged. See that. That's no, that I is. See, that. see, you're skipping ahead because this was my favorite moment. <laughs> Damn, that's cold. That is so cold. I mean, he knows. I mean, he saw an opportunity and he took it. And I don't think he was sending her to her death, but he made it convenient and he's not going to kill her. But he's, you know, he was only too quick to use the spore drive to, to, to go and help Sarek. He could have done that here. Got, no, hang and, on. He, and he's yeah, not yeah, going to. I'm going to go gonna. with Elijah, but I'm going to modify just a little bit. Back this up to before the sexy time, Okay. She is going. She. I mean, she can't just like walk out of Starfleet Command because she's all part of the. She's part of the chain of command, right? She's going to go. 
we're all in agreement here that Lorca's a little bit nuts. I'm his old friend. Let me go talk him down off of his cliff. She goes out there, having told all the people at Starfleet, I'm going out there to talk him down. The next thing that happens is, as far as Starfleet's concerned, because they missed out on the sexy time, the next thing that happens as far as Starfleet is concerned is that she gets kidnapped by this crazy ruse when she went to go take Sarek's place. And what mm-hmm. Lorca does is he says, what would you like me to do, Starfleet Command? So the last thing Starfleet Command knows is she did her job. And she has been kidnapped in performance of an extraordinarily dangerous duty. If she is never heard from again, the last thing everybody knows from Starfleet Command is she went out there and reined in that jerk and got him to come mm-hmm. to heal. So in a way... Which is why he's not in a hurry to well, rescue her. It's very convenient. I'll grant you that. It's extremely convenient, but it's also protective of yeah. her reputation. Because if it got out that she slept with him and then tried to relieve him of command based on a little post-relationshiping phaser draw in bed, that might not go so well for her. Sure, Lorca could probably still be out of a job, but so would she. And so I think Lorca, even though it's very convenient, this works out. It's, it's, I, I know it's tearing him apart. I'm sure it is, which makes Lorca an interesting character. But yeah, but, but it's, but it's, it's complicated, which all of a sudden makes Lorca, this shows Tyrion. Tyrion is like, wasn't supposed to be the main character of Game of Thrones. I know that, but he's the most fascinating one in Game of Thrones. And that, this little bit, this seg, this segment makes Lorca the most fascinating character on the show. Should we talk about some lighter stuff? Sure. Yeah, because, okay. Um, so the replicator, right? <laughs> is awesome. I like your theory about this. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, because my theory is that uh, this is a discovery-only thing, that Lorca has programmed the replicator to give everybody, um, you know, little messages when they get their food. Because he's, so, he's so into fortune cookies. I totally dig so this theory. He's, he's pre-programmed it for everybody. But I love his little sort of... Here, have this lovely nutritional beverage. <laughs> it's amazing for you. It's, it's so, so weird. full of greens. It's so weird, it's so and tasty. I love it. I also, uh, I also did quite enjoy. I don't, I don't care what anybody else says. The disco T-shirts, because right now I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get some T-shirts printed up with Baroque or you know, uh, or uh, you know, uh, Austrian classical or something on there. You know, because I'm gonna <laughs> reference obscure 300 year old music styles and run around in T-shirts with that on now. That's what I'm gonna do. Here's the, here's the issue though. Okay, so this. Who who made these shirts that say disco on them? Because that's silly. First of all, do they have people running around in the it's Enterprise the with T-shirts that say "Enter"? No prize, 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 <laughs> right <Fine>. here, prize. <laughs> yeah, they're just mm-hmm. ah, just plain silly. The other thing that uh, that has come up over and over again uh, that I've been seeing around the internet uh, is this issue of the holographic simulation Ugh. slash holodeck. Ugh. Right at the beginning, it's either it's either you're fine, or you're like, oh my god, they can't do that. They didn't have holodecks back then. <laughs> I legitimately do not care. You know why I don't care? Because in Enterprise, they were they got Trip gets impregnated on an alien ship with a holodeck, and I, uh, to Tony's point that he said on Sunday, it it it, it could have all have it all could have been avoided and fixed had they just put on a hololens, put a like Microsoft hololens, or an yeah, Oculus Rift. Put a visor on and boom, fixed. Fix the canonical disconnect. But I, I don't. You know what? I don't hate it. You know why? Because 
it just I'm with you it was cool and I liked it I liked it it, it, it did no harm I was fine with it I'm like eh, it kind of doesn't fit but who cares it was fine it's of the things that you can pick holes in it's one of the least if offensive, I were George Lucas I I'd go back in time and CGI lenses on their faces that's what I would do I would like this would be a total Han shot <laughs> look first for that in 20 years yeah. when, when they put me in charge of the digital remastering or whatever it is we're doing in 20 mm. years uh, yeah. they all get lenses They'll get, they'll get, they'll get visors. So here's my biggest takeaway about this episode. I felt that this episode was by far the most Trek. Okay, in in so far that we were introduced and we dug deep into something, this metaphysical thing called the Katra, that we have seen films made about. Right, Search for Spock, Spock being in Bones's mind. And yet, here we had a visual representation of what that experience is like. I thought that it brought it to life. At the same time, we get to dig a little deeper into Sarek's issues that we know he had with Spock, right? Now we now we kind of get an idea of, of Sarek treating both Spock and Michael Burnham like ex- these experiments, right? These... these as an ambassador I'm to, to Earth, I'm going to experiment by marrying a, a, um, a human female and have a hybrid child and then adopt a, a human ward. And these are all almost scientific experiments, logical. I think that's how he sells it. I think that's how he sells it to the logic people. I don't think he really believes that. Maybe not, no, because in you know if you think back on Star Trek, the 2009 episode, you know, he's like, marrying your mother was the logical decision you know um but he talks about love right when his when his mother dies Sarek turns to spock in the 2009 yep. film and says no i loved her i really loved her and i think that this is expanding on that without poo-pooing on it in any way shape or form i thought it was endearing i thought it was it was a father who sucks at being a father mm-hmm. and how how a parent's mistake can really, really influence whether blood or not that of a child and, and how they how they try to move forward in life. Yeah. And I think that that Burnham's final monologue there, that final dialogue at the end of like, I'm happy but I'm sad, I'm I'm angry but I'm but but I'm okay is her coming to grips with the fact that she can let go of the, the Vulcan stigma and just be mm-hmm. Just be, not just be, not be human, not be Vulcan, but just be. And I think Sonequa Martin-Green delivered that last scene with with uh, Latif wonderfully. I think their dialogue was was great. They they both clearly have some fantastic chemistry. Mm-hmm. I was really pleased with this episode. I felt that this was the most Star Trekky episode I've watched yet from Discovery. You know, it's funny that you say that actually, because one of my biggest takeaways was actually that Star Trek Discovery can be episodic. This was probably the most mm-hmm. episodic episode yes. to date. Up to this point, we've been seeing pieces yes. of a large story arc. This was very... I mean, there were elements of things that are you know, continually going on in the background, but on the whole, it was a self-contained episode about Burnham and Sarek's relationship. And that gives me a little bit of hope, because... Um, I like Star Trek when it's a little bit episodic, that it can take a real close look at one story and then move on a little bit. Um, And I know that that's one of the common complaints of other fans is that it's too big of an arc. This was an episodic episode that I think worked really, really well, and Star Trek Discovery can do it. Agreed. 
They're taking liberties with the Kotra stuff. I don't like it. I'm done. Well, Captains, we know that there's so much more to talk about on this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. Leafy, like Stamets. What is up with him and his groovy shrooms? But if you'd like to dive deep on our discussion of Star Trek Discovery, you're welcome to join our Patreon-exclusive episodes of On Screen, available to patrons at $10 and up per month. That's only $2.50 per week. And not only do you get On Screen, our weekly review of Star Trek Discovery, which typically gets published the day after Discovery airs, you also get the live, unedited episodes of Priority One Podcast in an audio format. So you don't have to jump over to Facebook and watch us here. Please consider a financial contribution to Priority One over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. And now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 339's community question was... When was the last time you bought a new ship in Star Trek Online? And will the new Miracle Worker ships convince you to buy again? From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Decker73 says, One thing that would encourage me to buy more ships is they'd let us promote our bridge officers to captains and put them in command of our other ships, a.k.a. away team in space. Think of the money Cryptic would make when everybody had five ships worth of gear to upgrade to Mark 14 per character instead of one. That's right, dude. You motivate them where... I'm sorry. Like, I'm confused. I'm confused. First of all, I know that promoting your boffs to a captain has been something that's been a... I know. It's not been a, a whiteboard ticket. forever. It's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's been on the whiteboard, but forever. I thought that that's why they introduced the Admiralty system, so you can yeah. send off your ships. No? Is this yeah. not what he's talking about? No, no, no. no. He's talking no. about, you know, you go down to the ground and you have your away team. Right. They have behavior, but they run around on the map with you and they shoot things right. with you. So basically, you would be in charge of a fleet. Yeah. Uh, your boss could get promoted up to captains, or you could designate right. people as captains, and then you'd have... Basically, you'd have a team of five on your own. Yeah. Eh, it's interesting. Uh, that, that feels like a lot of paper pushing. Um, I, I mean, I know oh, we're no, admirals. Oh, no, but so good but paper pushing. But it feels so many... So, so much paper pushing just to, no. like... But so Get good. to the basic level. No, but I, so good. It sounds exhausting. I've often called Star Trek Online Starfleet Command 4 because the Starfleet Command series, this is the spiritual successor to it. And they had fleets in those early games. You could have, I think, three ships in your little squadron. And it was so good mm. ordering somebody to go over there and you bought a torpedo ship because you had a phaser ship and you phasered the shields down and then the torpedo ship came in right behind you. Oh, so good. And if they pulled it off on Star Trek Online, amazing. From Facebook, Ron Kinney says, Last ship I bought was the Tier 6 Defiant. I'm actually sitting on 4,000 Zen and researching available ships, but cannot decide which ship to buy. Any suggestions? I always love me the Savi. Fleet Arbiter! And it's an oldie, but a goodie. I love my Fleet Arbiter. I really have a hard time even considering upgrading to anything else. It, that's a superior ship. I, I second that. But I also, I've also i also enjoyed the command battle cruisers. They're a little bit tougher than the fleet arbiter, but you trade off some maneuverability and some speed. But I do like the command battle cruisers too. Hmm. From Twitter, at Valenti Angie says, The last one I got was the WizKid Sovereign, I believe. Me too. Yeah, I missed out on that. I want the MW set someday, if only for the KDF and Romulan versions. The Fed ones aren't really my style. Sticky outy tongue face. I also want the T6 multi-mission and advanced light cruiser bundles when budget allows. Yeah, the last ship I got was the Sovereign from the WizKids, and um, I actually bought mine on eBay. 
Yeah, I've been looking, and they're ridiculously expensive now. Oh, yeah, no, I got mine for like 30 bucks, which I was like, all right, well, that's the average cost of a ship, so... Yeah. How much are they now? The last time I looked was a couple months ago, and I think I saw one for 75 Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's high. Yeah. Do that again, Cryptic. I want that ship. From Facebook, Kara Zorel writes, I don't remember what ship I last got, but so far, from talking to a few people, I may end up buying one for each of my two engineers. One is a Fed, and the other is a KDF. My KDF is due for a new ship. And finally, we once again took to Twitter with our Survey Sunday question, Is at Albino Kid Lieutenant Stamets okay, or was he negatively affected by his interaction with the spore drive and the tardigrade DNA? And out of 28 votes, 36% of you said, He's fine! Hashtag groovy. And 64% of you said, He's tripping. Hashtag bad shrooms. Oh, man. Oh, man. So surveys are not statistically significant until you have 31 participants. So we've got three of us here. So are, are, where are you guys at? I'm on the bad shrooms. I, I think very bad shrooms. Yeah. I don't think it's going to go very well. I mean, I think he'll be fine, but I think this is going to be some weirdness going on. I think he is some kind of amalgamation or hybrid of some kind of mirror universe debacle. We're going to put you in the bad shrooms category. So we're now statistically <laughs> significant. And so by a, by a two to one margin, he tripping. Yeah. He tripping. He's tripping. Well, that wraps up episode 340 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log and Women at Warp, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. But before we go, here's a reminder of what our community question is for this week. Are you excited about season two of Star Trek Discovery? And what would you most like to see the show tackle after the current arc is finished? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. And don't forget that every Saturday night, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel for some in-depth playthroughs of Star Trek Online. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash Priority One. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. Speaking of Jake Morgan, a big thanks to him for spearheading our social media endeavors, especially those Title It Thursdays and Awesome Survey Sundays. Also, thanks to John Kirk for assisting us with copywriting this episode of Priority One. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, 
Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producer, Navy Boats Lou. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. school be snail mail <laughs> no old school email man how old are you elijah yeah you're like, you're just like you're you're like like old now man oh boy this guy again mark de bevois de bevois de bevois at the end if there was no e on the end it would just de but there's a you know this was bevois okay mark de bevois president and chief operating officer He's the cheap operating officer. He's the cheap operating officer. My brain was still in French. I could not move it. It was it, Everything is all weird now. <laughs> Moving on to comics. If you're a comic aficionado, then IDW has your nope, Star Trek. I can't say fix- aficionado. Why can't I? Because I said aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> the previous well, one. So we can't, were, yeah, look, we, you, we can't appeal to both fan dibs. film aficionados and dibs. comic aficionados. We can't aff- appeal to every aficionado there is. I I'm, really just want you guys to know that aficionado is a Spanish term, and I really should be the ruling party here. And I'm going to give it to Kenna. Whoop, whoop. And I'm going to take it, and I'm going to turn it into like some sort of weird Spanish <laughs> Chinese amalgamation. <laughs> Just read the word in the script, Tony. Is it too good for you? And finally this week, the biggest news has got to be the announcement from CBS All Access that Star Trek Discovery has been greenlit for... (laughs) You can't even say it, can you? It hurts, doesn't it? It doesn't hurt. It It doesn't hurt. Yeah, to admit how wrong you were. Oh, well... (laughs) (laughs) Mark Debevoise, president and chief... Cheap. I did it again. Cheap operating Jesus <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> what kind of a show is this going to be, for Christ's sake? Uh, shh. Shh. Require complete silence for this trick. Not, don't look at him, Elijah. Don't look at him. I'm not. Don't Mark look at totally him. Not Deb of Waz. Deb. Deb of Waz. Mark. Dios mío, Padre Santo, pero de verdad. Do it in French. Give me in the mood. Come on. Also on PC this weekend, you can get 20% off all services. That's things like character slots, outfit slots, the energy crap, the energy crap, the energy crap increase. <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen what's in the exchange lately? I mean, come on. Mark, Debo, can I, can I, can you do it? 
I'll just I'll just do it. I'll do the story. It's fine. You can. Are we okay? Is that okay, Tony? I, can, I, I You know what? You know what? Until until he screwed it up. I until didn't, this guy I, right I here. Did. This guy. Yeah, you did. No. I was going fine until you went, oh, my God, it's the third. Let's do that. Sign me up. I'll pencil you in. My oh, people get talk out of to here. your people. Get it's out fine of until you Yeah, did I'm that. sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Go ahead. Blame me. fine until you did that. I will. This is Elijah. Closing sync one. This is uh, Kenna. Closing sync two. This is not Elijah. This is Kenna. Closing sync two. This is not Elijah, Kenna, or Winters sync three. <laughs> Mark de Beauvoise, president and chief operating officer of CBS Interactive, said, quote, in just, <laughs> in just six episodes, <laughs> the story Everybody hit stop. Prepare to repair burners. Yeah.